57 goes down in history as being where John and Paul met. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Dave. Come on, guys. You can't ignore that. It is one of the most important, important... Um, David's love affair continues. Iconic, iconic. <laughs> Uh, milestones <laughs> in musical history, isn't it? Oh, David, there's, there's always someone. I, I don't even. I don't remember what, what it was. It was some oh. fate or fate or whatever they call it. But oh, you know, Dan. Well, yeah, yeah, you yeah I do, but I won't say. <laughs> I'm getting teased. Music, music, magic. Good evening. Good day. G'day. 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 Good evening, listeners, on our uh, Queen's Jubilee weekend. Welcome oh, yeah. to Movies, Music, Madness, and Madness and Movies. Has anyone ever got that right? No. No. <laughs> no. no. So welcome <laughs> to, uh, we were just saying, it's 19, I believe, 57. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so um, I've got a little bit of a speech prepared in honour of the Queen. I don't really, actually. Do we have but, to stand uh, up? Yeah, hand on heart. I've got a picture <laughs> of the Queen on the wall at home here, though. Is that a different shame. Queen? That's a different type of Queen? Uh, no, no, I'll, I'll find her and I'll, I'll bring her up in a moment. Bring, yeah. bring her up, we can have a look. I, I'm just trying to work out how to get rid of these effects. I don't really want to be on the Falcon anymore. Yeah, Glenn's Glenn got Glenn's got blue eyes this evening, which yeah. is dazzling. Which is dazzling all the rest of us. So, uh, on the panel we have Martin. Good evening. Good evening. We have David. Good evening. Hello. Good day. Good day, Glenn. Good evening. Good evening. Nineteen fifty-seven boys. Let's do a quick whip around. Um. Oh, this is. Yeah. Oh, you have to. You've got a queen there, right? I've got a picture of the queen here with a Ziggy, right. with a Ziggy, um, Ziggy queen. Ziggy Stardust I think, queen. I think it's a Banksy picture, and then I've put the old Ziggy Stardust queen on top, which I think is rather very fitting. nice. Yep, yeah. brilliant. Hey, love it. Here we go. So, yeah, let's let's do a quick whip round before we get stuck in. Mm-hmm. In a few words, boys, how did we find this task? Jumping all the way back to 1957. Dave. Brilliant. Oh, sorry. We'll go that way. Go that way. You want well, me how would first? I know? Which, I wouldn't know which <laughs> side you're on, dude. I, I, <laughs> this pointing doesn't mean anything. How would we know what your monitor the screen looked like? You yeah. should know everything. David. Can I go? Go. <laughs> okay. So, uh, 57. I found it. Pretty good. Like, um, I thought it was going to be quite hard, but then looking mm-hmm. at what was available, um, certainly plenty of good stuff out there. The movies I was definitely worried about because, first of all, um, uh, knowing how slow the movies tended to be, the further you go back, and then trying to find something. But the marvel of YouTube came to save the day, and um, I sat through two and a half hours of of 1957 goodness and it was okay so yeah it was all right mate it was all right yeah okay martin you're on next yeah um similar really i found it quite daunting 
thinking about it, but once you actually get kind of dived in and actually had a rummage around, um, there's some great stuff. 57, mm. some really good albums anyway. Um, mm. Movies was a bit thin on the ground, but there was still some little golden nuggets to be found. Yeah. yeah. Glenn, how'd you get on, man? I found it utterly fascinating and I enjoyed the week immensely. Um, so much choice, immense amount of choice. Um, yeah, brilliant. So this is this is a time of this is really our parents' time, isn't it? Is that right? No, no. no? My, oh, parents were, my parents were seven, so they were little kids. Oh, grandparents. Well, my dad, it was right in the my so my dad was born in 39. So this was this was uh, yeah, like because yeah. he was eighteen, right? And yeah, and I remember I used to play some of these songs. There, there was a radio show in New Zealand back in the day called Saturday Night Jukebox. Um, still going on strong. I think now, it's still too. going. Yeah, yeah, that was wow. yeah, yeah. I used to record a lot of these songs off the radio when I was a teenager and play them in the car. And Dad used to, um, he used to, yeah, it kind of wore thin on him in, in the end because he said, look. There's so much good music because dad was really into his music. Like, There's so much good stuff out there. Why are you listening to songs that mm, mm. I even don't want to hear these days? <laughs> oh. <laughs> and, and, and it was some of the stuff that we're going to be listening to tonight. So I thought that was quite harsh, but you know. <laughs> ah, it's interesting. It's um, Let's give you a little brief rundown of 1957. How about that? So a few things that I managed to get off Google. Uh-huh. Uh, 57 is the beginning of the space race. We have ultrasound was pioneered in where? Any ideas? Ultrasound. Mm, where was ultrasound pioneered? Scotland. Mm, would you okay. believe? Yeah. What is, yeah. What is, what is, yeah, what is it? I probably would. What What's is ultrasound? ultrasound? Yeah. Oh, it's, as in, as in the scanning the baby thing. Yeah, 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 yeah. The gel and that. Oh, right. I was sorry. I, I was thinking like Ultravox, Ultravox, Ultrasound. Oh. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's like Ultrasurround. Oh my gosh, that's such a funny one, David Chan. Yeah, well, yeah it wasn't born back Scottish. then. <laughs> exactly. What 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 electro band from Scotland is called Ultrasound? Ultrasound. Apologies. From 1967. Did they have moogs back then? Apologies oh, to our female it's, listeners. It's the, uh, the old romantics. <laughs> but ultrasound oh. is used for more than just babies, Ian. Yeah. That would be a cool band name, wouldn't it? Um, what have we got here? Ultrasound is more than for babies. Yeah, you can use it for all sorts. <laughs> no, no, yeah. no. That's, that's the name of the band. That's the band yeah. name. <laughs> yeah, we got it. Britain detonates the hydrogen bomb. Ugh. Yeah. You could tune How into was that? you could tune into Nat King Cole on the TV. Uh, no, you, not in New Zealand. We didn't have not, TV then. No, no, you had to live abroad. Nobody yeah. lives in New Zealand in 1957. It's, True, it's empty. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. Um, so bad. You might find out that Elvis has uh, just bought Gracelands. Nice. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if that's all too much, well. You could grab yourself the newest toy, which is a Frisbee, almost named the Pluto Platter. Oh. Yeah, and you could go and try the all-new Burger King Whopper. Which came to New Zealand in the 90s. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time as television. <laughs> Have we got the Frisbee yet? 
I don't think we have, have we? Oh, no, they, yes, they do. <laughs> There's a group of enthusiasts that call it Ultimate, which really is just Frisbee on a park, and they've just made a game with it. I don't oh. know why they call it Ultimate. It's really lame. Should they call it Ultimate? Let's call it Frisbee. Frisbee kicks ass. That's a cool name. Yeah. Like the uh, Those... Frisbee golf that you can play in, like, uh, yeah. Queenstown yeah. Gardens and stuff, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Frisbee. Yeah. Yeah, it's frisbee. frisbee. So I thought we'd kick off, and I uh, thought we'd do it a little bit different this evening. So we'll we'll go. Um, I think we'll do it. I've forgotten. I don't know what you're doing. I'm not going to wait for any hand signals either, because we don't no, know what you're meaning. It's well. I think the order that we're going to do it in. I think we'll do it in height order. So who's the tallest? <laughs> How do you know how tall Martin is? Well, he's going to tell us. How tall are you, Martin? He's quite tallish. I'm 5'8". I'm 5'11". Glenn? You're not, yeah. uh, what, did you say you're 6'8", Ian? I'm, no, I'm 1'68". I'm <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. I'm 183 centimetres, 6 foot. Dave? Um, uh, I, I used to be 6 foot 2 and... Um, yeah, have kids for a while now, so I'm five seven. <laughs> yeah, so I think right. Glenn's the tallest. I am. I'm five that is correct. Yeah. All right, hit it, big guy. What are we doing first, Ian? What would you like me to talk about? Oh, well, why don't we do the? We'll start with the music. How about that? Okie dokie. Okay. Yes. Um, as I said, gentlemen, um, it's mm. been a tremendous week actually, looking mm. at records and. Listening to songs um, from 1957, um, what struck me was just the um, huge variety that was available. Um, you had obviously the early rock and roll sort of scene coming through. Um, you had the pop idols um, there. Um, you had obviously Elvis at his somewhat peak, mm. uh, and. Elvis. And then you had a bunch of clones of Elvis that popped up, like Andy Williams, I think, was one. Um, and then you had um, Frank Sinatra still going strong um, at that point. So he had this mm-hmm. massive following, obviously, that followed him through the, you know, because he was sort of... I think yeah, 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 absolutely. And then you've got um, the serious music, and the serious music was jazz. Um, had to be. You had the pillars of the jazz world, which is John Coltrane, Miles Davis, Sun Ra, a theolo- Theolonious Monk. Um, I think um, 57 was a turn in jazz, eh? Late 50s. It, yeah, you had going a little bit serious. Yeah. The birth of cool. So, I mean, yes. I imagine if we were doing this show back in 1957, the pop stuff would have been considered quite lightweight we would have looked and probably as snobs sneered upon it as we would have talked about the greatness of um monk's new album and all of those type things <clears throat> you know so i mean it was quite fascinating and they these guys were amazing players mm. eh? mm. i mean if you listen to any of those albums from that time amazing players but well they know a few chords well, yeah, they knew things. They play things that just the common person couldn't even fathom, probably. Mm. And so that's probably why rock and roll and pop was so good, because, again, it was like when we talked about 67, 
some of the songs are pretty basic and pretty fun. And I love the guitar sound from 1967. Uh, no, it's quite choice, eh? Maybe everything on the sevens is actually a good year. 57's pretty damn good, I reckon. Mm-hmm. 67's excellent. 77's really good. I don't know about 87. 97 was real good. Um, yeah. Well, 87 had that song. Oh, uh, yeah. That song. That song. Yeah, you're right. That song. Yeah. We're no strangers to love. Yeah, that's right. How it goes now. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so I chose um, an album that I actually own. It's oh. not, it's a reissue. Yeah. Um, it's called Here's Little Richard. And there it is. And there it is. Yeah. Nice. And Little Richard is what a just... set of lungs. <laughs> well, absolutely. Um, this album here, when you put it on and give it a spin, it's just a riot from start to finish, pretty much. <laughs> um, it, you know, the voice is just strong. Um, it gets all raspy. And he's just absolutely nails it dream i was arrested charged with a crime you've got to plead innocent cause darling you're not mine oh why why should it happen to me said maybe the judge he can't agree the jury keep on guessing but the DA says it me oh why why should it happen to me well hammers on me the lawyer said be guilty and tried to cop a plea but why should I be guilty when you don't belong to me? Oh, why? Why should it happen to me? Well, and in some ways, it sort of blows everything else out of the water in terms of pop around that time. I reckon, anyway, with the sheer um, power which it sort of delivered. And mm. I'll tell you what, 1950s saxophone was pretty much king as well, eh? Mm. It's everywhere. It's on like mm. every solo is a saxophone solo, and you have mm. to wait till the 80s again before saxophone becomes sort of cool again. Um, but I'd much prefer the 50s saxophone mm. styles than than this. So um, <clears throat> what I could do is uh, back in the day, they they had all of the wonderful – um advertising and marketing on the back of a record which mm. i think has been quite entertaining so i could read out a little bit about that if you guys so wish yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. okay uh he came to be called little richard it all began on christmas day 1935 in macron georgia the day richard pennyman was born into a family of 14 children He was such a small child that his older brothers and sisters referred to him as Little Richard. By the time he was seven, he was singing and dancing in the street corners. No one could resist his smiling boy with few pennies and predicting that he would go on to be such an entertainer. He dedicated his life to making people happy. And even though through his name, Little Richard doesn't appropriately describe the husky six foot personal parents, became his lucky trademark 
He began to invest his pennies earned from the street corner into piano lessons. Um, taught by a piano player in a local church, soon he was in the choir and singing the difficult lead parts. Mm. By the time he was 14, he took a job with a traveling medicine show, um, singing and dancing, playing piano to attract and entertain the crowds. Then he would pass among the people afterwards to sell them the herb tonic, uh, for which he made $2 a night. As a result of the church choir and the medicine show background, he developed a dynamic, emotional style of singing and performing. Yeah. Um, So, soul singing. Um, A style that clearly reveals its roots in gospel, deep south blues and jazz. So characteristic of an American folk singer. Um, And then he decided that he'd send his home recording of Tutti Frutti off to um, Hollywood. In a matter of weeks, Little Richards was a Tutti Frutti was acclaimed a hit. So these are just massive hits for this guy out of nowhere and a black artist too, no less. Mm. Um, And he was awarded the most played rhythm and blues artist by disc jockeys on the Billboard chart um, and rated as the best. Um, Even among other rock and roll artists, everyone seems to draw, he draws big crowds, particularly with teenagers, spout with a, a, a dash, a, a hyphen in the middle, um, who dig him the most. In addition to his millions of fans all over the world, he became the most rock and, uh, admired rock and roll artist of them all. Elvis showed his um, admiration by recording four of his songs. Pat Boone, Bill Haley, and another bunch of white people also recorded songs. <laughs> I, d- I just Love had it. A- People, but um, this is uh, this is like a s. This is like a whole bite. This is like a whole st- book. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you said it's you said a snippet, not thirty-five pages. Hey, uh, Glenn, yeah. what's what's Kenny. the date? Of, sorry, what's his date of birth on there? Thirty-five Christmas 35. Day. Yeah. Well, Who knows if it's true? Well, it's but, not. Um, well, it's not. It was it was born in thirty-two. Ah. <laughs> Got, I think you've got something there, mate. You might have one of those. Um, you might have one of those misprint. misprints, mate. No, no, this is a this is a this <laughs> is a reissue. This is a reissue from um, Record Store Day a few years back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, right. the, the picture on that cover is just sums it up. A man yeah. full of joy singing, yeah, yeah. and you can see the sweat pouring off him. Brilliant. And 
it kind of became the blueprint of, you know, a rock and roll star. I mean, you look at that and you hear it and you go, Prince. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Totally. Freddie Mercury, Freddie Mercury, bam. Um, I mean, famously, I think that Queen at Wembley, um, they did Tutti Freddie as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. And he, so, yeah. Very good. Just, Thank um, you, man. He just left us, didn't he, in 2020? He's, I um, think so. He lived to yeah, a ripe old uh, age. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he, he, I think he went off and became a preacher and then came mm. out eventually gay, I think it was, in the end. What's um, the name of the album? It's called Here's Little Richard. Here's and, Little and, Richard. And it, I Here reckon it's, just, it's probably one of the best debut albums you could ever get. It's an amazing sense of energy in his stuff. Like, you know, it, it's like electric. Every single one of his songs is just like... And it launches out of the speakers. Yeah. It really yeah. does. So I highly, yeah, highly rate it. Um, Brilliant. You can get yourself a copy. Um, definitely do so. It's mm. just tremendous energy. Awesome. Thanks, Glenn. Moving I on know. To as, as I said, I'd be quite excited about 57. It's been brilliant. It's been, it was a good year, eh, for music? Far out, yeah. <sighs> yeah, sure was. Yeah. Um, 57. What you got yeah, for so, man? Uh, so I've gone with um, Ray Charles. And yeah. it was. Uh, oh, yeah. It was Ray Charles' debut album called Ray Charles. Um, Didn't see that coming. And. Um, <laughs> cool. <laughs> All Sorry. good key piano players. Oh. <laughs> Never did he. No. <laughs> oh, they're so bad. Um, yeah. Brilliant. No. Um, what I really love about this album is um, it actually most of the, the hit singles from it. So mess around. I got a woman drowning my own tears. Hallelujah, I love her so. Were actually released before the album. Like, and I'm not talking like just before the album, I'm talking like maybe like two years before the album. Mm. So this is almost like, you know, it was almost like an early kind of greatest hits album. It was almost like a compilation album. Mm. Really. Mm. Um, what I really enjoy about when I was listening to it is it's, you know, everybody kind of knows what Ray Charles sounds like, but that sound was there right from the very beginning. Like this, this sounds like someone who's been established for a very long time, and for this to have been his debut album, I think that's quite incredible to listen to. How um, old was he when he did that album? Um, that's a good question. Hmm. See if I find out for you. Um, yeah. he, like little Richard, he's probably yeah. done like a billion shows already. Mm. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And so yeah, it. They're uh, so young, but yeah. the sound is just there because they've just been doing it since age whatever. The, yeah. the other cool thing as well is he was probably like one of the first artists to kind of cross over through numerous different genres. You know, he mm. had um, obviously the soul and the R&B thing, but the gospel thing was there. Um, mm. You know, it was a bit of the rock and roll thing going on there. Um, there was a lot of country in his music as well, which I find mm. kind of like really interesting for a black artist. Um, mm. He was also one of the first black artists to actually own his own um, material. Like, and that was wow. very early on, you know, sort of we're talking, I think, yeah. early, maybe 60s at, at the most. Um, mm -hmm. So he had like full creative control from pretty early on in his career. Um, yeah, yeah uh, it's just um, it's just a lot of fun as well. You know, um, my favorite track on it, and, and, and it's going to be, hopefully we'll play a bit of it, 
uh, is mess around. Um, and it's, sure. it's, a, it's a deceptive tune because you listen to it, that intro, and it's like dun, 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 thing on the piano. And it's, it's, it's really deceptive to listen to because it's bloody hard to play. It's, <laughs> it's all in octaves in both hands um, and it's a, a real fast pace. thing that's going on in, in so many of the of, of like his stuff and also a lot of his peers like if you think of like Fats Domino and Little Richard to an extent as well um, they I don't think they kind of get quite as much accolade for their playing as they really should mm. Um, mm. they are phenomenal players you know I mean like top real top tier players and Ray Charles yeah um, phenomenal player you know, um, and that's where he got his nickname, you know, the genius. He was right, yeah. Ray the genius. Um, mm, amazing uh, guy. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's got some great tracks on it. Um, um, I Got a Woman is a really great track as well, which closes mm. the album. Hallelujah, I love her so. Coffee in my favorite cup. That's why I know. Yes, I know. Hallelujah, I just love it so. When I'm in trouble and I have no friend, I know she'll go with me until the end. Everybody asks me how I know. I smile at them and say she told me so. That's why I know. Oh, I know. Hallelujah, I just love it so. Now if I call her on the telephone And tell her that I'm all alone By the time I come from one to four I hear her on my door In the evening when the sun go down When there is nobody else around She kisses me and she holds me tight And tells me daddy everything's alright So I know What I found with it is it's one of those albums where you can't help but tap your foot or, or nod your head mm-hmm. or, or get a bit of movement going. And I think the little Richard one would probably be the same, right? Because you just, oh, totally. you, you have to kind do of you think do a lot of the Do you think a lot of the music, uh, well, definitely in music around the 50s, late 50s, there's so much happy stuff. It's all, like you say, foot tapping, oh, yeah. happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, good, upbeat, full energy. There wasn't much serious, like, ooh, stuff well, going jazz. on was it that's jazz if you want serious you went to the jazz that said mm. you know this album's got a, a um a cover of um sinner's prayer on it which mm-hmm. i'm pretty sure like ella or somebody did did the kind of more famous version of it but um 
Um, so he did cross over into the jazz thing as well, and certainly later on in his career, like probably more into like the 70s, the jazz thing became a lot stronger for him. But um, mm. I think that was always there as well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, it, it's, a, it's a really cool um, debut album. Um, it's certainly one now that I've kind of discovered that I, I will keep going back to and listening to, I think, um, more and more. Yeah. Um, he was yeah. he was um just looking that up while while you were um so that he was born in 1930 right so he was 25 to 27 yeah. when oh, these okay. came out just yeah. for context 25 i think you said about 55 some of these songs were released man yeah and this is yeah, the so. this is the era of the 45 isn't it oh hell yeah, yeah. we yeah. are we are right. in the 40 right in the sweet spot and the album was yeah. something that you chucked your singles on it wasn't until a little bit later that you got the album as a um, as a standalone mode of sort of communicating music, you know. And, and the Beatles obviously famously, you know, evolved yeah. this to, to something of a of a, a fine art um, through their evolution. But back in the fifties, the albums and, and certainly the ones I'm going to talk to as well were often the after that they came after the the forty fives were released. It was the seven inches, which was the big, you know, yeah, those, yeah, those are the things yeah, yeah. that sold. Well, you've got um, to remember the, the, the LP, uh, the vinyl LP was fairly new. I mean, yeah. you just, you'd moved away from the 78, which was the brittle, mm. yep. uh, whatever material that was. Yep. Um, and the, the, the LP had that, um, it had an amazing capacity and space on it. Mm. So it let, meant that artists, especially in that jazz area, could go that big wide expanse and mm. teenagers couldn't afford that gear we're talking about yep. high fidelity you know um hi-fi gear pretty much was the you know until it became a lot more affordable in the 60s i so, wonder yeah, the, the 45 made a big that was it yeah it was king. i want i wonder if any of our listeners might remember or know of their parents saying how many vinyls their parents might have had in a collection. You know, like I can remember my folks kind of having maybe 30 albums. Mm, mm, I wonder mm. if they could put that on the Facebook Facebook thing, if they yeah. do remember. I think mum and mm. dad, they didn't have that many. No. Uh, yeah. But they were, they were, they were expensive. They still off the, are. Off I think the, it's the off the 45s, like oh. I'm talking though. My mum, my mum definitely had a, a lot of forty fives. I definitely remember um, most of them were Elvis ones, but I, I do remember having like heaps, a stack mm. of forty fives. Mm. But again, yeah, not many albums. A few, you know, probably again like twenty albums, twenty five yeah, yeah. or something between her and her and dad. Mm. But yeah, mm. the forty fives were a big thing for her. I know she used to say that she used to go down to like the record store on a Saturday morning, you know, and wow, crate dig, you know, which is yeah, it's yeah, cool. that's awesome. It's not mate. changed, yeah. No, no, mm, it, that's <laughs> you're bang on the money, which is so good. Albums were expensive, um, yeah. and now we've got Spotify as our 45. <laughs> David, carry us on with your album choice, mate. What did you go for? Oh, man, I went um, I went for another sort of young, yeah, well, um, a, another debut album. Let's just start with that. So the Everly Brothers. Oh, mm. nice. Now, some say that this was released in 57 December. Some say it was 58 January. Um, it's lost to the, you know, uh, it's lost to time. Um, but what what isn't lost is how influential these guys have been. Mm. Um, so in '57 they put out um, they put out their self titled album, The Everly Brothers, um, and 
you know, back back in those days, um, especially pre-Beatles, um, there weren't a lot of artists recording their own music, right? So um, singer-songwriters um, were few and far between. And the Everly Brothers, you know, certainly they fit that bill, but there were some original um, pieces yeah. on this album. But the ones that, that pretty much I think everyone knows, so Bye Bye Love. Bye Bye Love Bye Bye Happiness Hello Loneliness I think I'm gonna cry Bye Bye Love Bebop a Lula, a Gene Vincent classic, and Wake Up Little Susie. Six, um, when they were released, and then they made their way onto this album. Um, and when you listen to the album, it, it's you can certainly hear where uh, where the likes of the Beatles, Dylan, Simon and Garfunkel, um, yeah, even the Hollies and the Beach Boys. You know the harmonies that these boys, the close mm. harmonies that the Everly Brothers um, had. And you know, I think one. Uh, so we're talking here, Don and uh, Phil Everly. Um, I can't remember who was who, but one was about 20, the other one was about 17, so three years difference. Um, massively influential on, um, on the artists, the big artists of the 60s. And you can literally hear and say something like Love Me Do um, by the Beatles. You can hear the Ray Charles and the, the Everly Brothers and even Buddy Holly influence coming through. How um, many... On, 
duo, how many duo kind of vocalists were floating around in 57? Oh, gosh. The harmony. Was there many? I tried mm. to look up who, who influenced these guys, and mm. I couldn't find anything in terms of who, who came before them in terms of, you know, a duo that um, were predominantly just singers. I mean, they played acoustic yeah. guitar and... and um, you can you can hear you can hear that on on the tracks I've just mentioned. You know the muted. So they're pioneers, strongly, but yeah. I don't think there was a lot. Um, no. What they've you know, got babies influenced are, by the country music and stuff like that. With the uh, they 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 well so, yeah through their family yeah through their playing with um, so their father I think played some country yeah. um, from memory and I think that came through. Um, yeah, just having a look through here. Yeah, sound wise they've got that kind of slightly grassrootsy there's something a little a little bit pokey mm. and a little bit yeah nashville tennessee so you know they've, they've, oh, yeah. right yeah, yeah. no, yeah. Yeah, no choice <laughs> no choice <laughs> living, and, living and breathing country it's in, yeah. it's in the blood yeah. yeah yeah um i mean the beatles credit them i mean lennon mccartney credit you know they used to fantasize as being phil and don Everly. and babies in black if you know that beatles tune i think yes. it's on yeah. please please me or one of those earlier albums um, is just a Everly's mm. brother. It has the Everly's brother type harmonies in a waltz type um, time signature. And McCartney's often said that him and John would pretend to be, you know, filmed on, mm. um, you know, 10 years earlier. Uh, I think so, I know, think Paul Simon said the same, didn't he? He wanted to be mm-hmm. the Everly brothers. Yeah. Yeah, can, well, yeah. that makes sense. Yeah. 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 Um, so great album. I'll I'll put a couple of so I'll put up you know bye bye love and, and wake up little Susie for our listeners to check out and bop around to um, a little bit like what you guys were saying before. These are very upbeat songs. The other thing that was interesting just when I was researching this was um, you know like I said it was the era of the forty fives going through to you know the thirty threes that transition taking place, but it was also live music. Had been predominant, had, yeah. What what had been recorded up until around the late fifties, and studio was starting to make a move. So it was that move from live performances and recorded performances to studio um, sessions. And um, and this album is credited as being one of those that uh, really was cutting edge in terms of the recording, you know, the sound engineering and the recording production for mm. studio album what it should be like uh versus what and maybe this plays to what you're saying about jazz glenn around um, yeah, around the same yeah. time and then jazz jazz was um you know the and and was was the more serious and formal type of uh you know type of music that one would listen to if they were a um a, a connoisseur and and this sort of stuff Very was more, so. a little bit bubble and squeak type thing but um <laughs> course now and none of us chose the jazz albums well maybe that says something about us we're just actually you know what we're we're a lot rock and roll i would have i would have chosen dave brubick's um take five take five is it is what it's called um 59 um two years out because that's that's just one of my favorite jazz albums of all time and the john um, coltrane one's pretty cool i was close yeah to grabbing that yeah Yeah. i mean that that epic albums but I don't know. Maybe we're just all a bit rock and roll. But I think it's interesting because no, like the jazz albums that I kind of like were probably the ones that were influenced from the rock and rollers. You know, it's just like well, the ones that like ten years later and suddenly like Miles oh, Davis is. 
Yeah, getting into, into yeah, that yeah. stuff, you know, so. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't yeah. know. Um, you, you chuck little Richard on and you just can't help but want to dance. Mm. And the other thing that was real, you know, to, it's kind of interesting, it goes back to the 45s thing as well, was, you know, it was the birth of the teenager, really, yes. that, you know, that, that period. So suddenly kids had, had money, had disposable money, which, you um, know, up until that point hadn't really been a thing. So suddenly, you know, obviously – that's why you know there was such a change, culture change in terms of like mm. fashion, because um, kids were buying their own clothes oh, yeah. for the first yeah. time, you know, and not all dressed identically. You know, um, I would say that that would be kids of America. Mm, yeah, yeah. We, we, I don't think we had anything like that here. Well, and I think in the, the UK, you obviously was watching what was going on and sort of yeah. like to imitate it, you know, as it kind of goes, but. <laughs> well, the UK, the UK had fuck all of stuff, eh? Um, no, yeah, I mean, post-war Britain, yeah, yeah. not fun. It was pretty re- bleak, eh? <laughs> Rebuilding yeah. London from yeah, the war. Yeah, basically. They must have had the Rolling Stones. Those guys are about 800 years old, aren't they? No, no, they weren't even. <laughs> they, were, they weren't even around at this point. Jesus, no. <laughs> well, we got a look. Uh, we got a couple of minutes before you flip over, and then Ian, it's your turn. But 57 goes down in history as being. Where John and Paul met. <laughs> oh, Jesus, Dave. That, 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 that. Come on, guys. You can't ignore that. It is one of the most important, important. Um, David's love affair continues. Iconic, iconic uh, milestones in musical history, isn't it? Oh, David, he's always somewhere. I, I don't even. I don't remember what, what it was. It was some oh. fate or fate or whatever they call it. But oh, you know, Dad. Well, yeah, 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 I do, but I won't say anything. Else <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting teased. So, I think hey, we, just we move should along. have a. Um, we should. Well, how long we got? A minute. Yeah. Yeah. A minute. Yeah. We should have a shout out to the listeners. How about that? All right, go for it. Thanks, shouting out to guys. Yeah. Thanks, guys. <laughs> Thanks for your support. Uh, Love you. Jeff. Jeff. Ian, that was so eloquent. Yeah. Thanks. I've heartfelt um, as well. Thank you. Know? Well, we've had a few downloads. Dave Dave said we've we've are we doing quite well on the downloads. We're approaching five hundred in total. We're approaching five hundred wow. fairly quickly. Wow, so that's awesome. Our five hundred download will be in a few da- in a day, probably, the way yeah. things are going. So and, yeah. and then you can stop downloading. <laughs> <laughs> my my fingers are about to fall off. I've got blisters on my thumbs. Go and listen to something decent like Rogan Josh. <laughs> Jesus, please. Oh, anyway. No, he's an awful guy. I know. He's yeah. the worst, eh? We're way better than him. We are. Well, Dave's yeah. going to give us some outro music, and then I oh, think nice. we're going to pop back beside B. They did the boogie boogie roll. They mess around. They're doing the mess around. Everybody doing the mess around. Now, uh, when I say stop, don't you move a pain. When I say go, just uh, shake your leg and do the mess around. I declare doing the mess around. Yeah, do the mess around. Everybody's doing the mess around. Now, let me have it there, boy.
Welcome, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Right, so 1957. Uh huh. Good year. Uh-huh. Your, your choice. Your Good choice. Uh-huh. 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 Uh-huh.
Uh, well, that was that was Lulu. No, I'm yeah, not sure. Sure. yeah. Well, it was Lulu. <laughs> she copied. Yes, yeah, yeah, Vincent. She copied. Nice. So yeah, I mean, he says the word. Well, he says that as about as much as James Hetfield says. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, hold me, baby. 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 Hold your love for me. Yeah, it's a 12 song album. Um, every song starts with well, and uh, it's foot tapping like your guys' album. Um, yeah. it's got some good songs on there, just kind of rockabilly, you know, a little bit, little bit more edgy than rock mm. and roll, mm-hmm. a bit more countryfied. Uh, he's got a song on here, Dave Might Play, which is called Pretty Pretty Baby. So pretty, he had to say it twice. <laughs> nice. That's pretty. Um, what else do I know about him? He did a tour in Australia in 1957. Wow. I mean, they didn't even, yeah, they didn't even have wow. planes in those days. Um, on the tour was Little Richard wow. and Eddie Cochran. Wow. Uh, mm-hmm. 
What line are they? I'd go yeah. sit up, Bill. Yeah. That would be <laughs> that would be a good thing. In yeah. 1960, he was in a car crash with Eddie Cochran, who died. Uh, he he had severe injuries, and that was basically uh, 1960 was his downfall. Everything turned pear shaped, uh, but he was a massive influence on Ian Jury and the Blockheads, uh, Robert Gordon, the Stray mm. Cats, obviously. And they all uh, paid tribute by writing songs for him. And, yeah, just a cool guy, cool image, um, you know, cuffed up jeans, leather jacket, lots of brill cream, a white yeah. T-shirt. And there you go. Well. Quite classic. I don't know if that was an Elvis song or was it a Gene Vincent song. I no, think he wrote Vincent's that. Song, yeah. He wrote it. Yes, the Everly's the Everly's covered it in '57. Yeah. yeah, and as Martin said, a lot of these songs that we've got on our our LPs, long mm. players, um, are from many sometimes years beforehand. Um, but finally, they got that big big release. Yeah. Well, no, not big release. The eventually collection release. Yeah, he does. Probably why they're so good? Yeah, he he does an amazing version, not on this album, but of "Somewhere Over the Rainbow." And for oh, a guy yeah. that you just think is a bit cheesy rockabilly, he yeah, it's a really cool version. It makes you think um, about okay. his talent, not just his look and image and. You know, mm. so that's mine, short and sweet. He did a uh, um, he did a version of Unchained Melody on that album. Did he? Is that is that yes. the the Everly Brothers? Very, yeah, they're very famous. Um, the Righteous Brothers. Righteous Brothers. Righteous Brothers. Very famous because um, yes. it's been covered by hundreds of people, right? Yeah. But that would have pre- wouldn't that have predated the Righteous Brothers? Yeah, well, I, I, yeah, quite a bit. It, I would have yeah. thought so. Yeah, it it's does. not that good, isn't it? It's not like the Righteous Brothers, right? Doesn't have, but that. it's interesting to listen to. So go and have a listen to okay. that. It's, yeah, um, we'll do. It's it's a good album. I find twelve songs. I think they squeeze that into about thirty six minutes or something. Mm. <laughs> you you know just find that kind of all the stuff that we're reviewing. I tend to. It's just like once a year for me. Mm-hmm. I, I bang it on, and that's me. Rockabilly out for a year. <laughs> Back to Floyd or something. <laughs> one, one song's the whole 36 minutes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Shine so, on, man. Shine on, man. I love prog. I'm a prog head from way back too, but, you know, sometimes it's nice to have variety. Well, we will yeah. have that endless debate of whether or not Pink Floyd was prog another prog, day. Prog or not. Oh, here we that's, go. That's a whole right. uh, That is another day. A yeah. podcast, yeah. A podcast, (laughs) Martin. You're so let's uh let's do a movie review. Uh, I don't have one, so I didn't have time this week, guys. It's been a little bit busy, but um, movie review Mm -hmm. will go from the shortest to the tallest, myself excluded. So I think Dave, you're first. Thank you, short ass. (laughs) Okay, all right. Brace yourselves, fellas, and our audience. This I is am gonna braced. Be, this is going to be an interesting one. So nice. Um, 
and and so this this film is on YouTube and it's excellent quality. So it's been digitally restored. Um, it's in full color, which is amazing for fifty seven. It's called Peyton Place, and um, it's a it's an American drama starring Lana Turner, Hope Longy, Lee Phillips, Lloyd Nolan, Diane Varsi, Arthur Kennedy, and uh, Russ Tamblin and Terry Moore. Uh, directed by Mark Robson, and it's it's a good two hours and a bit flick. So it's a you know full feature film. Um, I found this quite hard to watch because it's got some pretty disturbing sort of themes running through it. Um, uh, and you've got to remember, we're looking at this, you know, 60, 70 years on from when it was made, right? So the mm. film's set in World War II, 1941, just before the Americans uh, brought into World War II. Um, in fact, it's got the bombing of Pearl Harbor as a, as a bit of an event that hits the newspapers and, and then you sort of see... Um, all the, the, the men and the boys getting enlisted and that sort of thing. So it's right that 1941 period, um, mm. which is like, what, 16 years, you know? So it's still fresh in the minds of many. Um, mm. And it's about the residents of a small fictional town, right, um, called Peyton Place. And it deals with, um, and it's like small town America and deals mm. with the gossip, and, you know, the scandals around homicide, suicide, incest wow moral hypocrisy um and it deals with that in contrast to the sort of tranquil facade that you you first see when it opens up and you see the girls riding bikes and they're all dressed up to the nines looking looking amazing and the, the boys have all, are all sort of clean shaven and they've got the, the quiff going or whatever it is and the yeah, yeah, yeah. parts on the hair and, and and they're all dressed in sort of um, you know, very nice sh shirts and pants and that. And, and that's kind of the facade and everything's green and everything's floral and it's beautiful. But then it sort of delves into what's really going on behind the scenes um, across mm. three three families. And um, I found it very, very hard to watch on the way through because of those themes. And you do see women being, um, being slapped around. Um, uh, you wow. know, like I said, there's incest. Um not just incest, but child abuse, right? So I think the girl's 16 or 17 and it's her stepfather. It's really, it's a really hard watch to start with. But then, um, you know, looking back on it, uh, yes, it's got, it's got, because it's got, you know, the war is right in the middle of it. And you can imagine not everyone comes back from the war, right? So you've got to deal with that. And you've got to deal with the, 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 the case around the incest and child molestation. Um, you've got to deal with, um the love affairs that are happening behind the scenes all sorts of things right um it's it's certainly memorable um i mean some of the things that i thought went had it you know that it was really well set and that the cast is just amazing right so you've got some fabulous actors there that um uh were just the start of their i think the start of their career um Obviously, quite young. It's a it's a teen flick. So this is the other thing. This is this is the Breakfast Club, wow. nineteen fifty seven. Risky, right? Risky. So um, it comes under the banner of of um, you know um, a coming of age movie, mm. and uh, you know all, all the themes I've just you know gone through there. So it's bittersweet. Um, I love the set. I love anything that's set around that nineteen forties time because it's just a fabulous time for yeah. um, really interesting to see what the world was going through and, and American mm. dragons to war, etc. 
Um, so if you want, and, it, and it's a genuine 1950s cinematic experience, meaning that it's, uh, but, but without having to strain your eyes with a grainy picture. So definitely if you, if you want something a bit different and you want to, um, you want to give a bit of a slice of life to what uh, viewers in the late fifties were, were watching and it was a big hit. So this was not, this was no, yeah. um yeah, yeah, this was no indie yeah. film. This was a big budget for the time, and it did extremely mm. well, um, despite those themes and despite obviously it came under a lot of criticism for some of the some of the things that it did show. Um, the other thing yeah. it was criticised because it is it is based off a book by a Grace Metellius um, who wrote um, the nineteen fifty six best selling um, novel Peyton Place, uh, which is far more graphic by all accounts than the film. And it got yeah. the film was criticised for for not being, um, I guess, explicit enough with some of the sex scenes and some of the um, some of the themes that were coming through. So uh, there is a book out there on this if you if you want the if you want the more uh, in your face kind of version. But definitely check it out on YouTube. I will post the link later on um, in the week uh, for viewers um, and audience to to check out. Pace and place. It kind of reminds me of sort of like I remember. Um, I think it was a 90s film or early 2000s called American Beauty. Mm-hmm. And it was like that facade that everything's cool, um, mm-hmm. but actually everything's all messed up just behind yeah. the scenes. That sounds fascinating, David. Mm. It was. Martin, you look quite disturbed. No, I'm just... Um, <laughs> Are, you okay? Are you okay? Yeah, I was just quite... Yeah, you, well, this is an era, right, where it's all hamburgers and frisbees and happy shit, and then you go and watch something like that, and you're yeah. like, oh, yeah, 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 um, close to the bone, man. Well, actually, I thought it was going to be um, very sparkly and mm. um, just, a, you know, a 1950s song, uh, not a song, a, um, a movie about teenage love or something like that, you know, and... Mm-hmm. It turned out to be something far more, far far darker, um, very dark. And some of the scenes you just you, you just don't want to watch. It's like, oh, this is just horrible. But you think in 1957 on the big screen, how how on earth did this get past, know, pass, yeah. make it past the censors? <laughs> but it did. It did. Well, the Over monster. to you, Martin. Thank you, Dave. Well, well I'm going to lighten up the mood a little bit, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, please uh, do. So I've gone. Um, <laughs> with uh, a 1957 uh, science fiction horror movie. Yeah, yes. I, I do use the word horror. Um, the Incredible Shrinking Man. Oh, <laughs> and, um, sounds, like, sounds like me. <laughs> I, uh, I managed to watch it this afternoon. I, I, um, I managed to track down a copy and, and, and put it on. It's, uh, it's, it's short but sweet. It's only 18 minutes long, so it's quite an easy watch. Um, 18? 80. Oh, 80. 80. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, mate. Um, no, the, the runtime didn't shrink either. It's, uh, <laughs> um, Everything's shrinking. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a weird concept behind it in terms of the, uh, how it kind of starts off. Um, like the whole, um, I guess, the catalyst for how he starts to shrink literally happens in like the first two minutes of the movie. Um, the main character in it um, is played by uh, an actor called Grant Williams. Who I'd never heard of, and certainly probably never made anything to, to the level of success that <laughs> he had with this. Um, he's actually a bit of an asshole. Uh, he's not a very nice man to kind of uh, watch in the film. Uh, he's very misogynistic. 
Um, the first thing that comes out of his mouth in the, in the film is basically ordering his wife to get him a beer uh, while they're on holiday. Um, and, um, and, and ironically, as the film gets on and he gets smaller, he, is, he becomes much more kind of domineering and controlling of it. Um, mm. which it, it's very strange that that theme going through it because you, mm. you definitely don't root for this guy at any point. In, well, I, I didn't feel that, you know, yay, you know, wanting to cheer him on at any point, really. <laughs> it, was, it was just a bit of a git. Um, what, um, what I will say for it, um, it's certainly a movie that kind of pioneered a lot of, like, the effects stuff, um, Going forward, you could definitely see the influences on the on things like Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit from this movie in terms of like the forced perspective stuff. Um, oh, not not because a little. No, <laughs> no, not because. Of um, but definitely, uh, there is a spider in it, in the same way as uh, oh. uh, we've got the shell stuff going on. Is this um, is this movie like the 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 very very start movie? Of like, honey, I shrunk the kids and all those horrible. Uh, it definitely was. It had to have been an influence on all of those movies. The guy yeah. that directed it um, was a guy called Jack Arnold, and like the year before, he did the Creature from the Black Lagoon, um, uh, okay. and mm. he had a history of doing like pretty dodgy B movie kind of <laughs> horror fi- horror films and sci fi films. Um, yeah. But he said that this this film is the one that kind of stuck with him and he's probably most proud of it out of all of the, the movies that he made. Um, yeah. As it goes on, it, it's kind of like a high adventure thing as it goes on. And as the guy kind of gets smaller, the, the perils kind of get bigger. So for example, the family cat like turns against him when he's yeah. about, uh, I think about four inches high. So he's living in a doll's house at that point. We're in the living room and the cat basically is like punching through the windows with the big claws coming through. It would have been great in 3D if they had 3D at that point, but it's just like, oh, doing it. Um, he then shrinks even further, goes down to about an inch. Um, and um, after his fight with the cat, um, ends up in the basement. Um, and uh, while they're uh, basically through fear of starving to death, um, looks for some kind of food source uh, finds um, like some crumbs up on a shelf high above with a big spider's web just above it. Um, and of course, what happens is he triggers the spider's web as he's trying to get the food. And lo and behold, there's a tarantula living in the basement. Not a spider, oh. not a house spider, oh, but a tarantula. Oh. Um, sadly, as I was kind of reading a bit about it, um, 24 tarantulas died during the making of this movie. Oh, um, oh, due to the heat from the lights in the studio, because I was so hot doing yeah. all that close up photography, all that macro photography. Um, yeah, 24 tarantulas died during the making of this movie, certainly. Yeah. Um, the, the main actor, as well, uh, ended up in hospital like four times during the shoot. Uh, it's quite a physical role when you watch it, uh, but he was doing things like lacerations on his hands and knees, um, hurt his. <laughs> Put his back at some point. Um, so, yeah, it was constantly kind of going in and out of hospital. And as a result, the film did go over budget and, and was, um, uh, I think, like a week behind schedule. Um, yeah. It was the third highest grossing movie, I think, of that year, of 57. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I think I read somewhere that, like, in terms of, like, budget to final gross, mm. it was the third highest grossing movie after things like The Ten Commandments, which had been wow. the year before. 
And when you think of the scale of that movie, you know, it's, yeah, it's yeah, yeah. pretty different. Yeah. Um, wow. Yeah. It, it, it's quite an interesting film. It gets very kind of metaphysical towards the end and very kind of talking existential, talking about God and um, even though he's, but at this point kind of shrunk down to the, you know, the size of an atom. Um, the fact that he still exists and that God knows he exists still makes his mm. life worthwhile, even <laughs> oh though no God. one else. So it got, I was like, whoa, okay. Was like, Where's this going? This has gone like a little strange. Um, and that's oh. literally right at the very end of the film as well. But like last five minutes of it, you're like, whoa, okay. Not really, wasn't what I was expecting from a, from a. Does he movie. die? Um, I, I don't know. I have no idea. It certainly doesn't die within the movie. Uh, I guess it's oh, kind right. of implicated. Uh, Does he get back to normal? No, no. And the, the, produ- the director was very insistent on that and didn't want it to happen. The studio, absolutely. During all the yeah. test screenings and stuff, people were saying, you've traumatised my child. Um, <laughs> this movie's rubbish because like, he doesn't get back and doesn't come back to like his normal size at the end of it. But no, he w- really wanted to end it on a downer and kudos to him. Um, it actually ended up getting selected for like preservation in the film registry, you know, thing in, in, in the States as well. So it's like part of proper part of film history now as well. Wow. Well, there you go. Yeah. That sounds That's like awesome. a good movie, a good watch. When I was having a look for hmm. choosing a movie, I was blown away by how much pulp was made. Oh, that so time. much. <laughs> it's, it's fascinating. I'll read out a couple of titles. There's, hmm. um, Horror, The Curse of the Demon 3, um, <laughs> Zero Hour, um, uh, Throne of Blood, The Curse of Frankenstein, um, uh, <laughs> The Monster That Changed the World, Attack of the Crab Monsters, <laughs> um, <laughs> Zombies of Moritao, um, oh, yeah, Count Five and Die, um, I Was a Teenage Frankenstein. I was a teenage werewolf, which, you know, <laughs> went on to be something else. Um, the abominable snowman of the Himalayas, the land of the unknown, the black scorpion. It just goes on and on. If you look um, deep enough, there's a Rambo. It's got to be Rambo to be. 1. Yeah, yeah. The monolith monsters, 20 million miles to Earth. I mean, and wow. I worked and I, I looked into why this was the case. Um, and again, it was teenagers with cars going to drive in movies which were all the rage in america yeah. and these were pulp movies made for that they were doing the drivings but they weren't watching the movies <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> so it didn't matter what you put up yeah this, this so, had a bit of a renaissance <laughs> in the 70s didn't this period because in the late 70s you had um what was that film that george lucas did um, american graffiti oh, um you had greece you had a real, you know, um, revival, revival happy days. coming back, happy yeah. days, and that, and yeah. Um, yeah, so definitely popular time for um, for young people to to relive. Well, yeah, exactly. After the how did they listen of, to the um, music in the drive-ins? Um, they had At a speaker. speaker thing with an eight, like in the Flintstones that went on the side of their yeah. car. Yeah, right. Yeah, wow. yeah. Well, that re- renaissance for or the wanting to relive the fifties after the horror of Vietnam. I mean, yeah, I can true, true. I can see that. But yeah. um yeah, fascinating the amount of pulp. I was mm-hmm. blown away by it. Um and actually when I think about it, nothing's changed. People love horror pulp movies even now and they make mm-hmm. plenty of them. So some people. 
I don't like them myself either, no. but uh, apart from, you know, like Stranger Things and stuff like that. I do like a good zombie film. Um, I find that quite fun. But yeah. Yeah, it's just, it just it blew me away how much actually pulp fiction was sort of made. It was brilliant. Yeah, there's a lot. Yeah. What did so, you go for, Glenn? What did yeah. you I went, I went. I went with a classic. Um, I went with The Bridge on the River Kwai. Mm. Um, the movie? It, it was the movie, and I've seen it a couple of times and thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, mm. It is set in the war. However, it is not a... a or World War Two, that is, and it's not a, um, it's not based on anything true. Um, it's entirely fictional, which is pretty mm. cool. Um, and it stars Alec Guinness, William Holden, Jack Hawkins, and I'll get this wrong, Sesui Hayakawa um, as as the warden. Um, so it was basically um, a movie set um, of, of POWs particularly British POWs, um, constructing at the Burma Railway um, in 1942 and 43. Um, and, yeah, apparently the film won big at the Academy Awards and um, Alec Guinness, um, this, arguably this was his possibly finest performance. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, it, it's a long film. And it's by one of my favourite directors, David Lean. Um, I think David Lean was a phenomenally cool director. And um, other films that he did was um, Dr. Shivago and one of my all-time favourites, which is Lawrence Arabia. Yeah. Um, just big, 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 big. Yeah, yeah, everything about it is humongous. Mm-hmm. And... And no shot, CG, obviously. Shot, shot in ultra scan. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Shot, <laughs> shot on 70 mil. Um, yeah. These, these, this, <laughs> these were just epically made movies. Um, the storyline is it's pretty funny. It's pretty British, um, which which always entertains. In fact, Alec Guinness's character is a real prat. Um, you know. I'm an officer. Officers don't build railways. In fact, you know, we don't build. That's what our guys do. We'll make sure that they build those railways for you. And then he gets obsessed by the job when, when, when the, you know, when they do have to build it. He's like obsessed with making this bridge, you know, to show everyone mm. up that the Japanese can't build it. engineering and bridges. That's what us British do best. Um, and forgetting his place in the fact that the war is raging and he's committed to doing a quality job for his imperial overlords. And um, and they, they send in some commandos um, to blow the bridge up. But you know what? He just says, oh, I think there's some explosive on the bridge. And he tells the warden not to end about what's happening. Um, and he ends up getting the commandos killed because of it. And then he looks at himself and goes, "What have I done?" And then falls on the um, falls on the explosive and blows the bridge up and himself. So it's very funny um, um, and just just silliness, um, but wonderful performances. Um, yeah, brilliantly set. It's got that wonderful theme tune of all the POWs whistling. Um, so that's quite entertaining. Oh, has so uh, got that one? Yeah. Do 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 yeah do 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 do. I know the movie. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's bonkers, all round bonkers. <laughs> but the steadfast Britishness of yeah, you no, know, we're going to build that bridge and we're going to do it properly and blah blah blah. And he's just insufferable um, to everybody else, but just brilliant in the way that he, you know conducts himself in that way and um nice. yeah i know it was it was a favorite in new zealand and it was a favorite worldwide um so that was the movie was. of the year wasn't it i, I believe yeah. highest I grossing so. yeah highest yeah. grossing yeah so it grossed yeah. 15 million um for that year that's Hayes a lot of money came in at second at 11 million yeah so um certainly oh by 57 far. that's a lot of money yeah, yeah. Um, it must have cost a fortune to make in the mm. grand scheme of things. You know, I think it was they mm. filmed it in um, Sri Lanka um, at the time to give that sort of you know that jungle effect. Yeah, but yeah, it meant that um, David Lean could then go even bigger um, with things like Lawrence Arabia. Um, I just think I love the way that. The movies were these big events, those particular type of movies, these big events, and you would definitely need an intermission um, mm. to get through these things. In fact, often they had the big intermission or the overture and mm. to the film and stuff like that. So, yeah, David Lean, um, just a magic director. Um, so I love it to bits. I don't so we had a good regularly. time. We, we had a good time in 57. It was, yes, yes, yes. It was yes, enjoyable. Yes. I think... Um, um, the next host is going to be who? I think it's David, isn't it? it David. Is. Yeah. Mm. So David's going to choose a year for us, and um, that was that was interesting going back that far, right? I thought it was awesome. I loved it. Was it. Nice, refreshing, yeah. just brilliant. Yeah. There's so much to explore. Yeah, actually, it's a whole is, new world. There's certainly um, certainly good to see where. You can try you can certainly trace some of your favorite stuff from the later, you know, decades back to um mm. the little Richards, the Everleys, you know, Gene Vincent, all those guys, right? Um, you can see their influences on um on some of the so those songwriters of the 60s and 70s coming through. Um oh, it would have been like a breath of fresh air that came through with that that pop music and and it's quite raucous and raw some of it mm. um which makes it so much fun to listen to well goodbye little susie or good what is it wake up little susie was banned mm. in boston which is a thing if you look it up banned in boston is actually a thing um wow. that happened back in the day because boston the band in boston was um heavily censored um Band in Boston is a phrase that was employed from the late 19th century through to the mid-20th to describe a literary work, a literary work, song, motion picture, or play, which been which had been prohibited from distribution or exhibition in Boston, Massachusetts. So yeah, and Wake Up Little Susie was just um was too raunchy for them. Wow. Those believe? guys, eh? Man. Yeah. That's interesting how life is changed yeah i was listening listening to um a bunch of songs um from 57 i was like billboard chart songs mm -hmm. there were a mm -hmm. number of songs that referenced i want to make love to you yeah it was there under the apple tree one one said so it was all on and the word delinquent i noticed popped up a lot <laughs> <once. laughs> um, popped up popped up on um a couple of those movie titles um 
the delinquents being the most famous one of them. So very entertaining. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's that's a good wrap to the show, I think. Fellas and uh, listeners, thank you for joining us. I think we've got about five minutes, boys. We can have a, a yarn or just keep yakking. And All right. Good. Those guys uh, can edit, do the editing magic. Did anybody catch any of the uh, the um, the Queen's Platinum concert thing? Nah. Um, no. I didn't see a great deal of it, but what I did see, I saw towards the end of it, and um, I, I've got to say, there was one artist I didn't know who she was, never heard of her. I think she was probably like a British X Factor winner or something like that. Um, but they did this uh, light show with drones above Buckingham Palace. Oh, and that was yeah. phenomenal. That was nice. amazing to watch. I've got to say. So they definitely didn't like um, skimp on it. And then, and then following that, I think the rest of the budget went on Diana Ross's real week because uh, this thing was <laughs> insane. Uh, like, uh, literally, her hair was like out here. Like, oh, and she had, she had two guys basically kind of like Holding her up. Wheel her out of her sarcophagus. Diana Ross. On the stage, yeah. I know. Why? But she right. um, she actually sang all right. Like, How old was she? She must be like 80, 80 or something. Yeah. I, I reckon. But she actually still had her voice. Like, wow. You know, well, I think after we talked about, you know, Carol King and, and uh, yeah, you know, Bon Jovi yeah, yeah. and all of that, like, you know, completely. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I was quite surprised. Yeah. So she obviously the- looked after herself in terms of that side of things. But how she could wear that wig, I have no idea because that must have weighed by a ton. I love the fact that, you know, once a diva, always a diva. Absolutely. And a rock there. I'm going to go out there and I'm going to get a big fuck. She's got her knights, Sir Paul and Sir Elton. Were they uh, not there? Elton She's did a thing from, before. he did like a, a video thing from Windsor Castle. Um, mm. uh, I mean, Queen opened it and they were cool. Um, yeah, and then Adam uh, Lambert. Yeah, Duran Duran weren't bad. Duran oh, Duran. Okay. Yeah, yeah, they weren't bad. Wow. Simon, yeah, Simon the Bond does look like the Emperor now, um, which is yeah. cool. oh, it, it looks like his face has melted quite a bit. But yeah, um, that's cool. <laughs> the years of coke, eh? Hey? Yeah. But they sounded all right. Yeah, so it was it was kind of fun. Um, yeah, not bad, not bad. Is it their new album's an acoustic one, isn't it? I don't know. I, th- I think I listened to a bit on Who Spotify. Played on it? Who played on like it? it? Wasn't it Guy Pratt that played on it? On Duran Duran? Yeah, I think so. Mm. Who was it? No, no, no. It was, um, I know who exactly who played on it, which was a surprise for me. Um, Graham Coxon from Blur. Oh. Yeah. Um, yeah, hilarious. I think a lot of those bands for me just kind of fall into that, definitely that uh, um, time capsule. And there's only a f- handful of them that grow with you, with me, you know, like, man, Aha and all those guys, Ice House. It's just got to be back in that time, you know? Yeah, yeah. Not many have got, gone on. I mean, Spandau Ballet have mm. got back together and they've busted up and they've got back together and now they've busted up again. So I think yeah, I read somewhere that just, Tony Hadley's coming over here. I think he's doing yeah, he is. For some he is. gig, isn't he? So. Yep, yep. Mm. Yep, he's yeah. lucky. Lucky as. <laughs> Nowhere else wants him. <laughs> like, I can't wait for that gig. 
you guys, you guys all want to come to Tony Hadley with me, man? Oh, the Brooklyn's no. Tony Hadley. No. Oh, busy. <laughs> <laughs> Washing my hair. Sorry. Okay, guys, I got my year. I got my year. So you got time to get. Oh, ready. yeah. I got yeah, 20, yeah. 2015. Oh, oh nice one. Oh, yeah. that'll, that'll, there you go. That's something different. Oh, oh good, yeah. David. Thanks, man. That sounds awesome. Love 2015. So. Love it. <laughs> She rock to the west, but she's the gal that I love best. Do the booty, oh rude. 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 Oh, wah bah baloo, my balam bam bam. I got a gal named Daisy. She almost drives me crazy. Yes, indeed, but you don't know what you do to me, to the food. 